Um, how many of you drivers love this sign? This is your favorite sign on the roads. Uh, how many of you were over the moon when uh, they appeared all over Birmingham, seemingly on every street going? Um, I know there were probably some A-type drivers who are waiting for a call from God to rid the, the, the city of Asherah poles such as this, <laughs> uh, chop them down. Um, how many people have actually managed to drive down the entirety, this is honest, honestly, the entirety of Russell Road at less than 20 miles an hour, other than at 8.30 in the morning? <laughs> Fantastic. The... Um, not all of us love those signs. And um, uh, I also, um, Pauline, um, who volunteers at reception at Riverside House, uh, calls me Steve McQueen. And uh, I like to think that it's because of my good and rugged looks, but apparently it's because of the way I drove her home when I gave her a lift back one night. Took every rat run, every back road, and weaved in and out of every speed bump uh, that I could find. So apparently that is the real reason. But uh, very often in our lives, we can find the whole of life uh, is like that, that we just, we don't slow down, we don't stop, we just carry on with our busy, busy lives. Sometimes it's because we want to feel important. We have so many things uh, in us and on us so that we, we have value, that we have importance in the lives of others. Sometimes it's just simply the demands of life, whether that's family life, wider family, uh, work, uh, uh, the next DIY project, the finances, you know, the challenges that we might face, the disappointments we might be going through, uh, conflicts, whatever it is. Uh, and so whether it is something that we choose in life or whether we find it forced upon us um, it is often uh, what we experience there's a weariness there's a fatigue very often uh, in our hearts in our souls that even a good night's sleep doesn't solve although that obviously is a good help uh, along the way but we can be heavy of heart uh, we can have a fatigue that prevents us from living up to everything that God wants for us we can want to live out our values in life but actually find that we, we don't deliver because we're just too worn down by life. We're too weary, if you like, never reaching the full spiritual potential, perhaps, that, that we could do. And uh, maybe this, this kind of soul fatigue is because we're so preoccupied with other things uh, in life that we don't follow God wholeheartedly. It may be, um, as Jesus said, the worries of this world or the deceitfulness of wealth or the desires for other things. Um, it can be that we're just simply too tired, we're simply too busy to, to do the things for our kids that we want to do, to feed the poor uh, that we see around us, to help with our neighbours, uh, to speak those words of affirmation and to do the great deeds that God might call us. Not because we don't believe in those things, but we just find that life has wearied us down uh, to the bone. And uh, God's spiritual enemy has two ploys. One is to get us to disobey, and the other is to get so uh, unfocused, so busy and uh, exhausted that neither way we end up fulfilling God's will uh, for our, our lives. Um, there was a guy who wanted to step off the, the treadmill of life, and so he goes down to his local monastery, and he says, I've had enough of everything, and I want to sign up. Uh, whatever it is, I'll sign up for it. And uh, so the head monk told him that there was a vow of silence, um, as part of the deal and he said well that, that's fine that's fine he said I just want to switch off from the world he said so you need to be silent but we will give you every three years you're allowed to come and speak but just two words okay no more just two words every three years so he struggles through the first three years and he gets to the, the end of the three years and he gets his uh, appointment with the head monk and he goes in and he said uh, he said so what would you like to say and he said cold food 
Food cold, it's the other way around. You've got to get it right the first time you go and see the head monk. Food cold, and uh, to be honest, things didn't improve massively. But he goes through another three years, and he sits down with the head monk again, and he says, and what is it you would like to share um, after six years you've been with us now? And he simply says, dirty robe. He's been in it for six years, you can understand. Anyway, he goes another three years, and uh, he's really, really struggling by this point. And so he sits down with the head monk, and his, his two words at the end of his nine-year stint there is simply, I quit. And the head monk turns to him and he says, listen, son, he says, it doesn't surprise me one little bit. You've done nothing but complain since you got here. <laughs> the pattern that we're trying to follow um, with these series is to, in the first of the three, is to introduce the, the, the topic the second is to look at the life of Jesus or the early Christians and see how it works out in the New Testament. And then the third is to look at the life of King David um, and to see how it worked out in his life uh, and in the Old Testament. And uh, that's what, where we're at um, with silence and solitude. So we're looking at King David because he was a man after God's own heart. Okay? He was someone who understood it um, and uh, goes on and writes um, Psalm 23. Um, as well. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me by quiet, beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. And uh, David had grown up as a shepherd. He knew what solitude was all about. You know, he found himself often out in the fields, up on the hillsides, just with his sheep and with nature and uh, with God. And so he has a whole life where he's kind of trained himself really um, to, to to live like that and to, to draw on the strength that comes from that. Um, and very much goes on and writes the Psalms um, out of that experience. You know, much of his reflection on God, much of his reflection on life um, comes out of that. Even later on when he's, he's anointed king but he's under King Saul um, and he submits to King Saul and yet Saul kind of comes after him with a jealousy and with that despotic madness that he has and a violence to try and kill him and he finds himself again fleeing from cave to cave and from from valley to, to ravine just to get away from this 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 head case of a king um, and finds himself again in solitude but he relies on God in his relationship with God for his strength and for his soul uh, restoration even his own family um, his son Absalom tries to dethrone him he faced huge pressures and yet relies on God's deliverance. He relies on his relationship with God and his time uh, with God for that strength, um, which we read about right through the Psalms and these other Psalms that you can study um, in the, the booklet as well. Um, 95-year-olds were involved in a survey about what would you have done differently in your life when you look back. And uh, the number one thing that they came up with apparently was reflect more was to think about life more, to think about the decisions, to think about what was going on. And that was just kind of, kind of worldwide, I think. But how much more um, in our Christian lives? You know, in our, in our lives, in our busy lives, um, we are very prone to this kind of fatigue, uh, this weariness uh, of our soul. Here's a, a quick checklist um, that I came across, which I think is very helpful. It's like a little MOT, if you like. And as you go through it, you can think, okay, do I tick this? Is this something I don't struggle with? Is this something I have a few problems with? Or is this something that I really struggle with? And the first of those is that feeling of being rushed all the time. Okay, it's not necessarily about living life, life fast, but it is about feeling rushed continually. There's not enough time in the day. There's not enough time in the week. You know, our world is obsessed with going faster and faster. And the way technology goes, then, you know, all things seem possible. You know, we'll buy almost anything that will make life quicker 
for us. Um, it may be, you know, you want to send your parcels by city sprint or by fast track. Um, it can be the, your finances that you do on Quicken or QuickBooks. Um, you get your car fixed fitter with a quick fit fitter. And uh, we're encouraged to slim with slim fast, you know, only three days and you, you shed stones. And should you choose, you can buy your swimming trunks from Speedo. <laughs> or maybe not. But someone said this, at speed and without rest, we respond from survival mode, where everything we meet assumes a terrifying prominence. Imagine driving a motorbike at high speed. Even a small stone in the road can be a deadly threat. So when we are moving faster and faster, every encounter, every detail inflates in importance. Everything seems more urgent than it really is, and we react with a sloppy desperation. We get tortured by the urgent and the important stuff in life goes undone. You know, one delay and we can't catch up. You know, I'd say more, but we've got to move on. Second, okay, second symptom, the difficulty in making decisions, okay, indecisiveness. You know, we live in an age of choice overload. A hundred years ago, um, if you wanted to wash your hair, you know, we read, all you needed was a bar of soap. These days, there are thousands of shampoo, and I think my daughter has several of them. Um, the shampoo for dry hair, the shampoo for greasy hair, the shampoo for normal hair and presumably abnormal hair. This shampoo for colored hair, for damaged hair, this shampoo with egg in it, shampoo with beer in it, and the other day I found shampoo with chili in it. Shampoo for dandruff, eczema and psoriasis, shampoo to make your hair smell like any kind of fruit, any kind of flower and several kinds of vegetables. Um, with the energy prices going up, gas and electricity. One of our lads is at university. We're just checking the gas and electricity prices. We looked at the suppliers. There was a drop-down list of 81 suppliers from A to Z of supply names. And it said, what tariff are you currently on? And the drop-down list for the, for the organization he was with had 144 tariffs. You know, I was hoping there'd be a tariff that gave you a free bottle of shampoo so I could add a choice to my, uh, my selection. Okay, but do we wrestle with indecision and choice overload doesn't help? Um, how many aren't sure? Okay, that's a, another one. Third, might be an overload of information and yet a lack of wisdom. You know, we get so much information. You can get information on anything instantly in the world uh, these days. You know, everything's straight live to your mobile phone or to your gadget, whether it's news, whether it's sport, um, whether it's some information that you need uh, across any platform, social media, television, and all the rest. Okay, we are the most informed generation ever, and yet are we the wisest as we look around? Um, wisdom is what we do with information. Wisdom is about how we live life, not what we know. Do we actually put stuff into practice, and how does it work out? Proverbs in the Bible, the book of Proverbs, says that wisdom is more precious than rubies. Okay? It is incredibly precious that we have. But wisdom comes slowly. Wisdom doesn't come in an instant. It comes by putting it into practice in our hearts and in our lives. And it probably rarely comes to a fatigued soul. And uh, so the question is, are we living with a growing sense of wisdom in our lives? Again, tick. You know, struggle somewhere in the middle. Fourth symptom, um, and this is a big one, is that sense of spiritual dryness in our life, that sense of a kind of superficial relationship uh, with God. 
Um, you know, I look at my prayer life and I think, oh, this is only scratching the surface. You know, I look at the world in which we live in and think, you know, is my life really shaped radically by the word of God in how I live it out? You know, I want to keep growing in my spiritual character, the fruit of the spirit. I want to see those grow and grow and grow in my heart and in my life. But is my relationship with God, is it stagnant? Is it shallow? Is it superficial? Again, am I on top of this? Um, are there a few problems here? Or is this something you really struggle with? in your life and then the fifth one that's that sense of decreased ability to love you know the bible says that the greatest thing is love the greatest thing we can do is love to love others to love god Um, and the bible teaches us and and this fatigue of our soul can very often be one of the biggest barriers to being able to love well Um, you know we want to give out we want to give out to our friends and to our spouses and to our families and to our neighbors and to the poor and to the needy and all the rest and yet we find that our 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 hearts grow smaller our spirits wither that we there's not enough in the tank as we desire to give out so uh, just for a couple of minutes um, just with people around you or you might want to just reflect on your own which one of those would you say is uh, the one you would most like to change in your life? Which is the one that is most pertinent to, pertinent to you at the moment? Which one you'll most like to change? Again, if you want to get into twos, just chat about that. If you really don't like chatting to people, then just, just think about it. Um, which one uh, you would go for? Okay, so good question to ask ourselves anyway, and, and also to the, the reason why perhaps we, we experience that as well. But let's have a, a look at King David for a moment because he was a guy who was, he was a king. He was under a huge amount of pressure, whether that was leadership pressure, um, he was hunted down by his enemies, um, he had family conflicts that he needed to deal with, and he even had the failure from his own disobedience uh, in his life and, and the consequences of that upon him, um, which were quite painful. But in Psalm 23, and particularly and it's right the way through the Psalms, He describes and he demonstrates this other way of living life well. And I just want to pull out four statements from these two verses that are very simple. Very simple statements, but each one of them has a choice attached to it that we can make, we can adopt, and we can follow. And if we do, the promise is at the end there that he refreshes our souls, that he restores our souls. And the first is this. It's simply a basic question. The Lord is my shepherd. A basic decision, have I asked God to shepherd me okay do I daily ask God to simply shepherd me to be the one who who is God in my life we looked at a couple of weeks back just simply taking time out and reminding ourselves and thinking on that being still because God is God in my life and quietly asking him to shepherd us to lead us to support us to care for us to take us through life and it's a very simple thing to do but something that is really important that we do if we to do that. Because the alternative is that we face life on our own, that we don't have God involved in our life. We take all the worries of this life upon our own shoulders. We worry about the future, about relationships, about job, whatever it is, and we take it all upon ourselves rather than realizing that God is our shepherd and that he is there for us. You know, where have you ever heard worry as being described or defined as a constructive, life-giving way to deal with the future. Okay, it doesn't happen. Okay, it worries the thing that causes all the stress and anxiety and people end up having weeks and weeks off work because of it. Okay, but the shepherd is there for you. He is there for you, whoever you are this morning. 
okay, for our safety to shield us and to care for us. Asking him to be our shepherd. The second statement, I shall not want, okay, or I lack nothing. Um, he's a good shepherd. He knows, as we sang earlier, what our needs are. He knows before we even ask about them. And therefore, I shall not want. Okay? I shall be content. You know, we, we live in a world where consumer businesses spend their, all of their time, their money, and their energy telling you two things. They tell us, number one, that you are discontent at the moment, and number two, this next purchase is all you need for contentment. Okay? So wear me, drive me, download me, put me in your hair, whatever, that will be the answer to your life. And we're bombarded with that on our televisions, on our, our billboards, uh, in our magazines, wherever it might be. But God knows what you need, and he knows what we don't need. And we'll be unpacking simplicity later on in the term. But silence and solitude is stepping out of the consumer world. It's stepping out of the consumer noise, even just for a few minutes, and reflecting and listening to the words of God, that I lack nothing, that I will be content, I shall not want. And also realizing, you know, that we are blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, as it says in the New Testament, that God has given us so much and to step into that. So it's to step out of the onslaught of information overload, to step out of the smog of consumerism and to draw deeply on God, even just for a few moments in the day, that fresh heavenly air. So have you made that choice? Firstly, to ask God to shepherd you each day and then to be content, to be thankful um, for what we, what, we, what we do have. The third statement here and the third choice that goes with it, he makes me lie down in green pastures. The alternative is a constant busyness and an overcommitted lifestyle. Um, it's like when you go camping uh, when you were a kid or maybe a sleepover. And you know that moment where you, you've already been up for hours and hours beyond where you were meant to be, but you can't get everybody to put their head down and so nobody will go to sleep. So finally, you think everybody's head's on the pillow, but then one head pops up and cracks something, a joke or whatever. And because of your, your FOMO, your fear of missing out, everybody suddenly springs to life again and on it goes uh, through the night and you never ever get to sleep. Um, we have that struggle to be still in our lives. You know, there's a guy who um, did some research on shepherds and sheep um, and uh, I don't quite know how he did it. I'm presuming he did intensive interviews with the shepherds rather than the sheep, but never mind. And he came up with these three conclusions about what's kept sheep from sleeping at night. The first was fear because of the timid creatures. The second was friction because of the kind of social pecking order conflict. And the third was hunger, their appetites. But they're true of human beings as well. You know, the, the reasons we don't sleep at night are because we're fearful of things, because of relational conflicts, or because of uh, our appetites uh, in life. Because all of those things rob us uh, of rest. And so silence and solitude is about reflecting on the things of the heart, the things that we look in here and we start to see, and it might be quite ugly at times, but what our attitudes actually are, what our fears are, what our, um, what our motivations might be. Um, but actually coming before God and allowing him and his spirit to search our hearts and our souls. It may even be just during the week, you know, you come out of a stressful meeting, or if you're in a caring profession, you might have been dealing with a really difficult or tragic situation with a patient, and you, your green pastures are just simply to get outside for 10 minutes 
and just to reflect on what has happened and, and what is going on um, so that our hearts are kept uh, soft and our hearts are kept healthy. The fourth statement and, uh, here is this, simply this, he leads me beside quiet waters. And uh, we saw a couple of weeks ago that God's waters are quiet waters. Um, remember Isaiah's prophecy in Isaiah 8, verse 6 and 7, where he says, you've rejected the gently flowing waters of Shiloh, and therefore you're going to be, as judgment, God's invasion of Assyrians is going to come on you like mighty floodwaters. You know, it's the gentle waters where you drink. You know, David with his sheep took his, his sheep to the gentle waters so they could lap the water. You know, if they take them to some ferocious river, they just get a wet face or they get swept away. Okay, there's no drinking involved in that. And, uh, and so we need to depend upon those hidden spiritual resources that come from God in the quiet places, the quiet waters um, of God. Now, by nature, okay, I am not a natural big fan of silence. Okay, that is not where I go. I was on a discipleship program though once, and uh, they, they kind of forced me or encouraged me to be silent for an entire day. So it didn't start well because uh, I obviously behaved myself as best as I could, but it didn't take long before I started developing sign language to communicate with people. I strong need to communicate. And then it was eyebrows and eyebrow movements. Amazing what you can say across the room with, with all of that sort of stuff. I, I realized this was not working. It wasn't working for me. It certainly wasn't working for other people. So I took myself off and decided to head up the hills. And um, slightly kind of paradoxically for a day of silence, it turned out to be the noisiest day of my life. The wind was blowing an absolute hooli. I had a cagoule on and was the, the, the rattle was going on, 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 on. But I couldn't hear anybody else, that was for sure. And I definitely got a lot of solitude. And uh, the weather kind of turned even worse and the, the rain started hammering down. So I, again, I was up the hill, so I kind of found a cleft in a rock to kind of just kind of get away from the weather. And, uh, and it's quite a profound experience sitting there, lying there in this storm, thinking actually that is how God sees us, that God's kind of hands of rock kind of protect us and, uh, and, and all the rest of it. And uh, so you get these amazing moments um, out of that. So, as I say, I don't know if it counted as silence, but it was definitely solitude. But I certainly had switched off from the world, and I couldn't hear anybody else around. But we live in a noisy, demanding, rushing world. And the question is, where do you go to get away from it? You know, where's the space, where's the quiet waters for you? Because we're actually addicted to much of the noise in our lives. We find it difficult to switch off from it. You know, we keep the TV on, we keep the radio on, whether it's iTunes or Spotify or social media notifications coming in all the time or work email straight to our phone or even screen noise um, and uh, a whole lot more with where that comes from. But we are often nervous of silence. You know, probably true of all of us in to some degree. You know, because when we're confronted with our own hearts and with our own what's actually in here, that can be quite quite a scary thing, quite an ugly thing that we find uh, within us. So we need to switch off, uh, but find some time away from the electronic noise so that we can connect with those that are close to us and that we can connect with the Good Shepherd in our hearts and in our lives because from there comes such wisdom. From there comes such soul restoration. So do you give space for God's quiet waters to restore us? So there's the Lord's my shepherd, asking him to shepherd us each day, uh, each day this week. I shall not want, be quietly thankful and content, step out of the smog of consumerism. 
He makes me lie down in green pastures. Time to rest and reflect on the condition of our souls. He leads me beside quiet waters, switch off the noise and drink from God's gentle rivers. And the promise is that he will restore, he will refresh your soul. 